This is Movie Hopping for Thursday, November 14th, 2019. Adam Hall. Nico. DiGregorio. How you doing, bro? I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I finished uh, Twin Peaks. That's what's going on in my life. Well, you didn't finish Twin Peaks. Not entirely, but I finished the original run of Twin Peaks. Right. You finished it in its initial form. Yes. But not its final form. Oh, yeah. Which is the best form. I know, as I've heard. But yeah. I thought I should let you know. Yeah. You know, I thought I should let everybody know because it's, it was it was an interesting finale. Yeah. Oh, God. That season two finale is incredible. One of the great TV episodes of all time. It is so weird because I I really love the first half of season two. And then it just it's just nothingness. Yep. It's just a bunch of like like I've never been so so uh, like on board with calling something bullshit. But that second <laughs> half is just bullshit. How that's, dare you? It's all. No, it is. How I, dare you? I mean, I don't know how else you, you describe it. I mean, it's. It's wonderful in some sense, but I mean, I, I. How about the scene? Spoiler alert! Where a particular character becomes a doorknob. Oh yeah, that's how, right. How was that? Well, that was interesting. <laughs> Her essence gets sucked into a doorknob, Jody, and she's trapped there for eternity. Spoiler alert! Not in season three. That character? No, Jody's still a doorknob. She's still wait, wait, wait. wait. She's a doorknob in season three. No, she's just not in uh, it. So we okay. assume that she remains a doorknob. In perpetuity. Oh, boy. I don't even fucking know. Dude, the the Nadine storyline, like, what the hell was that? I don't remember anything about that. Nadine's the one who has the eye patch. Yeah, the eye patch, She has, yeah. like, superhuman strength that for some godforsaken reason. Oh, right! And, and, and she, she has that idea for the, uh, the curtain runners. The silent curtain. Yeah, runners. which is like what the fuck? And then she was the the she becomes infatuated with the high school boy as she's trying to become. Oh a yeah! And then fucking Ben Horn and his Civil War nonsense. <laughs> like I had, I was like, what is going on? No, I recall that was my favorite part of season two. What was Ben Horn and the Civil War recreations <laughs> in his office? That was my favorite part. There are so many like non sequiturs for trying to get people to come back to sanity for yes. some reason. When I'm like, no, just make it crazier. Like, and then <laughs> I, I also have to talk about Leo Johnson. I have never felt so bad for a character. Like, oh, he's the one that gets paralyzed. Yeah, like, like he just. Oh, gets... the image, of the gif with him in the party hat and yeah. the, the blower in his mouth. <laughs> One of my favorite images in all of television. Like, the, the, I could say this about, about a lot of characters in that show. By the it, way, this means nothing to anyone listening, but continue. No, 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 no. And, and that's okay. You, you, you don't get it. You, just watch it. Fast forward a few minutes if you want a review <laughs> of Dr. Sleep. But anyway, like, like, like seeing, like, I... He, Leo Johnson's like a, a like a real son of a bitch at the beginning of the show. But Domestic then, abuser, right? Yeah, he's a bastard. Yeah. And then I'm just like... Like he's like a puppy dog. I don't want anything horrible to happen to him. I don't. I especially don't want a, a, a crate full of spiders to fall on his head. Right. At, which is kind of what happens. But the, the it's quite the heel turn. The real kicker, though. Oh my God, James! What the hell is going on with the James storyline? I remember nothing about that either. Exactly. It's James is like the dreamy guy from high school. Yeah, yeah. Who, okay. sing, who sings like a girl for some reason? Oh yeah, which is a weird scene. But like, okay. I believe James makes one appearance in the third season, and it's a musical number, and that's it. I think. 
I, I don't like think he's involved with the plot at all. I could be totally wrong about that, but those like Donna's love interest in high school. Uh, there's like three of them, and I get them confused. Yeah, I know. Well, that, that's another funny thing about just the show in general. The level of infidelity is incredible. <laughs> uh, just wait. No, I can't wait. <laughs> but like, whatever the hell was going on with the James storyline, it's just, it's a waste of time. It's worthless. Yeah, well, all of season two, unfortunately, but beyond the first seven episodes is kind of a waste of time. I'd say the first nine episodes I love. Yeah. I love those first nine episodes. And then as soon as Dale Cooper's about to leave, it just drops off. Yeah. Um, Look, David Lynch had something to say, I think, initially with Twin Peaks, and he said it after that initial mystery was solved. And then afterwards, you could feel the writers trying to turn it into a traditional TV show yeah. and a traditional soap opera. And that's what you get for the last, what was that, 10 or 12 episodes? Something like that. Yeah. It's a shitty teenage soap opera. Yes. Um, which, you know, is an interesting case study in television because it's a collaborative medium and that's why you have good seasons of things and bad seasons of things. But I don't think David Lynch ever wanted to make those episodes. That was the problem. Lucky for us, he did want to make season three and boy, did he say something with season three. Oh, and I can't wait for that. Yeah. I cannot wait for that. Uh, by the way, we will be doing a Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me podcast with some guests on Why Is This a Thing, I believe, in two weeks. Who's... Go ahead. Two weeks? Or one week, right? We're recording it this Sunday, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. so that'll be out by, yeah, this Wednesday, this coming Wednesday. You'll have that in your feeds. But these are guys who specialize in Twin Peaks, right? Yes, right. So I'm I'm going to feel very intimidated because I am not the Twin Peaks es- expert. I like to think that I'm well-versed enough with David Lynch, but yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if I can speak in like wholeheartedly or, or, or thoroughly on Twin Peaks. Well, the thing about this podcast, and this is... Uh, a web of lies that we've created for ourselves is that we are not experts in anything. That's also true. So <laughs> very rarely, if ever, are we challenged on our beliefs. So this will be a fun experiment. Someone that actually knows something about something coming on the pod. Okay, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, so At least we did erase our head. <laughs> yeah. I did see some movies I wanted to hit oh, on okay. quickly. Uh, just a little review because I don't have anywhere else to talk about these things. I've been catching up on the movies of the decade and stuff that I may have missed over the last 10 years because I'm working on this top 100 list. Uh, and I saw some shit. I, I saw Mistress America, the Noah Baumbach movie, finally, with Greg Gerwig. Um, I think we're going to be doing a Noah Baumbach podcast in the future that will not be part of that list. Okay. Not, not great. Oh, not okay. Great. No, no. All right. Not great. Um, I, I saw The One I Love, which is a movie starring Elizabeth Moss and Mark Duplass, okay. which is like a... Charlie Kaufman-esque love story pseudo fantasy uh, about a couple. It's got those two actors and Ted Danson for like five minutes, and that's the entire cast. I mean, you've so far listed off quite a few just Nico movies. <laughs> like I would never have watched what you just described to me. It's very quirky. Okay. Uh, it doesn't always work, but those two performers are just great, so right. I will see anything with them in it. Uh, it's on Netflix if you have like an hour and a half to kill. Uh, and then I saw Her Smell. Which, oh, yeah. You told me about that. Yes. Which uh, came out earlier this year, also starring Elizabeth Moss. I needed some more Elizabeth Moss in my life because I finished Mad Men and mm-hmm. I'm just, I've am just i had the itch. Uh, it's directed by Alex Ross Perry, yeah, who has been known as sort of a provocative, edgy, fringe, independent filmmaker 
for a while. Uh, his movies are not exactly the most accessible uh-huh. things in the world. And this is uh, a character study about a Courtney Love-esque grunge figure. Okay. Who has drug problems and is a very loud and explosive personality. And the movie kind of takes place in five acts. Um, it, it, it feels like a play at times. And it's broken up uh, specifically in those five acts. Again, hard watch. Very unpleasant. They do this thing with the sound design where it, it sounds like irreversible almost. Yeah. Like there's a lot of heavy bass and just uncomfortable imagery and there's a lot of close-ups most of the movie is in close-up you would hate it for that specific reason like it's a very uncomfortable claustrophobic uh atmosphere okay that being said elizabeth moss if there was justice in the world would win the oscar this year for this performance (laughs) she is so great in this okay and it's one of those performances where you're watching you're like yeah i'm not sure if i love this movie but i am sure this is one of our great actresses working today She's incredible in this. Fair. Um, so that's it. That's what I've seen. All right. Interesting. Her smell. She's going to be in the new Invisible Man. So you have that to look forward to, Nico. Okay. That's a remake? I guess. I think it's just trying to be another adaptation of the Invisible Man. Okay. I saw the trailer for that um, in preparation for Dr. Sleep. Which, by the way, oh, side note, I got... To this movie, I, I saw Doctor Sleep last night, and that's what we'll be talking about today. Uh, I rolled up to the theater twenty minutes after the scheduled start time, so I can't speak for what was on the screen in those first twenty minutes. But the movie was scheduled to start at nine fifteen. Oh, did you miss the? Be- oh wait, no. No. Guess what time Doctor Sleep started? Like actually started? Yes. I don't know. Nine forty-five. Nine fifty-five. Forty minutes of trailers. This has gone out of control. That's fucked up. 40 minutes of trailers. That makes me bet because now I can be late to movies. Yeah, okay, but that's what I was planning on doing. I came 20 minutes late so I could specifically miss the trailers because I'm sick of trailers. There's too many trailers and we see them on YouTube anyway. So you got double the amount. 40 minutes. (laughs) That is just inhumane. That is stupid. Oh my God. I mean, the movie's long enough as it is, so it's- I know. So- I got out of there at 12.30. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's uh, a Tuesday. Uh, I got it at 1230. Oh, Nico. And it's freezing outside. I'm there by it, myself. And it was fucking cold yesterday, too, oh, by the way. Dude. I have I haven't like like felt the cold so harshly in a while. Like, I mean, my God. That's worse than uh, most winters I've had. Fuck yesterday's temperature, god damn it. <laughs> yeah, Connecticut, take that. <laughs> Uh, okay, we're talking Dr. Sleep. Should yeah, we just yeah, do this? Yeah, Let's yeah, do this. Uh, talk to Dr. Sleep. Um, a sequel to The Shining, a movie from 1980. Kind of. That we've discussed in the past quite extemporaneously. <laughs> As a matter of fact, a movie Hall of Fame inductee. True. The Shining, just inducted last week. Stephen King podcast. Uh, talk to me, Adam. Talk to me. Oh, well, Mike Flanagan directs, by the way. Yes. Stephen I'm- King writes the book. I was very excited to see this movie. Uh, I love everything I've seen by Mike Flanagan. Mm-hmm. He's t- one of the more interesting horror filmmakers out there. He's sort of like a, like a nice medium. Like if you don't want to be completely obliter- obliterated with Ari Aster's work, but if you don't want anything that's like a little more, I don't know, kind of tame, I suppose with, well, I don't know. 
I was going to compare him to James Wan, but James Wan is, I don't know, maybe closer to that. I feel like he does a nice balance of horror, but also themes that human beings can connect to. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say Ari Aster's movies don't have themes that human beings can connect to. I, I wouldn't say that either, but I'm sure they're a little more apprehensive to connect to him. Yeah, well, okay. Well, if you're trying to say that they're not accessible, yes. Yes. Ari Aster movies are not accessible. Yes, very, very true. And... um like I said, Mike Flanagan hits a, a nice medium where he can make stuff that's very scary, but at the same time, with it has a tremendous amount of heart. And he proved that very, very well with The Haunting of Hill House. Which, which I have not seen yet. Which I absolutely loved. And he proved it uh, to, a, to a small degree with a little film called Hush, which I also like quite a bit. Okay. Also haven't seen. I don't think I've seen a single Mike Flanagan movie. Yeah. No. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, now Gerald's have. Game have not. Well, until this. Yes. Gerald's Game, Ouija, Origin of Evil. And my impression, correct me if I'm wrong, is that Flanagan works with mainstream studios to make uh, what would normally be considered, uh, maybe Grindhouse is not the right word, but low-hanging fruit. Sure. Like Ouija 2 Origin of Evil does not scream Oscar. It's one of those examples of a movie where it's like... I wouldn't say like that may have been him initially, uh-huh. but um, like Ouija, like the sequel to Ouija is apparently like significantly better. Like apparently it's a good movie. Yeah, no, that's what I've heard as well. Like people are like, oh, wow, this is actually solid. And then a lot of people were impressed by Oculus, which I did not see. Yeah. So he's he's known for like just having like solid movie after solid movie. Yeah, but elevated trash. almost. Yes, exactly. Like even if it's not great, it's it's at least a solid, entertaining little horror flick that is a lot better than it has any right being. Yeah. Uh, and then he's offered Dr. Sleep and I'm like, perfect for this guy. This seems right in his wheelhouse, especially after seeing Hill House, especially after seeing Hill House. Yeah. I think Gerald's game was the big one here. Uh, either Stephen King had a familiarity with him that, uh, worked and maybe he was comfortable with Flanagan attempting it or, uh, the studio had just seen it and they were like, yeah, this guy makes good Stephen King adaptations. Let's give him another one. Mm -hmm. Uh, that seems like the... The archetype, probably, and yeah. all, but it was also green lit after the after it was such a success, right? So they were v- very on board with this. Oh, it's Stephen King season. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for better or worse. Did you see the HBO trailer for The Outsider? Is that what it's called, The Outsider? No, I haven't seen that. Yet. Yeah, they're doing that as a miniseries. Okay, we got more. Oh, plenty <laughs> more where that came from. And this is one of the more interesting sequels to come out in a while. Because it has a near impossible task. And what would that task be? Well, you're do, first of all, you're adapting a novel that is a sequel to The Shining. Uh, that, but then you're also doing a sequel to a very, very popular movie that the original author kind of despises. Yes. So... You're, the, the the troubling thing is trying to make a faithful adaptation to Doctor Sleep, but also do a movie that sort of works in line with that version of the original story that the author hates, and trying to as as many people have said reconcile the differences. Yes, you've had you have to make a sequel to both the Shining novel and the <laughs> Shining movie, which, which are very different works. And uh, I I. It's 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 wonderful to look at. I don't know how Mike Flanagan approached it, um, yeah, but you know, um, 
I hate to say it, and I don't know if you're going to agree with me. You might be totally against me on this. It honestly it really worked for me. Okay. It really worked for me. Uh, I don't think the movie is flawless by any stretch of the imagination, but I remember it's just sitting there and being like, you know, like, like this could have gone so wrong and it could have been so flat to me. It could have not cared as much as it does. It could have been just like solely uninterested with, with, with the shining or, or even more uninterested with Dr. Sleep and just been completely bananas. But I mean, there's a lot of like solid attention given to the characters and the story and a lot of time, which shows with the, the, the runtime of the film. And I just think some really solid horror filmmaking and some great atmosphere. And you would, in my opinion, you would have looked at that third act and thought, okay, this is su- such, su- su- too much homage, too much riffing off of that original. It's, it's, it's almost like, like, nostalgia bait so much to the point of being egregious Mm -hmm. and i i thought that's what i was gonna get and then i saw it and then they get to the bar scene and i'm like oh i I, i'm sorry nico but i'm on board Hmm. okay um Uh, (laughs) of course i hated this movie oh boy of course i hated it (laughs) do you know me do you know me Yeah. Of course I hated this movie. <laughs> I'm sorry to rain on your parade. It's too bad. I, I really didn't care for it. Okay. I, I actually um, found myself checking my watch Ooh, often. That's too bad. In the theater. Um, Not necessarily because I was bored, but because I was pissed off. And maybe that's oh, worse. Really? Okay. I, I'm not sure what's worse. Okay. Perhaps I'd rather be pissed off than bored. Okay. Um, I, I don't think this should have been made. <laughs> I think that's that's where I'm coming from. Okay. I, I don't think this should have been made and that might be right here's why um you're right this is an impossible task for mike flanagan yeah um and perhaps that should have been the end of the conversation <laughs> yeah. impossible task so let's not try it uh that wasn't the conversation instead flanagan tried again to circle the square by making both a stanley kubrick movie or stanley kubrick homage i should say yeah and a stephen king movie mm-hmm. um on one front Yes, I think Mike Flanagan is a very good director of Stephen King's material um, and understands how to articulate his specific vision on screen. I do not think, however, Mike Flanagan is a good steward of Stanley Kubrick's style whatsoever. Okay. I think, in fact, his directorial style is quite different from Kubrick. I don't think it was trying to ape off of Kubrick, though. It never felt that way to me. Well, it certainly had a lot of the same imagery. In there, fact, some there, of the, there were some shots that were were Easter eggs and some homages. It never felt like the there the, were scenes directly ripped from The Shining that were just yeah, done I know, again. I know that it never really felt like it was out of place, though. It felt like it's something that was fairly welcome in this universe. It never felt, but the thing that really sold it for me is that tonally, it's completely different than uh, a, a Kubrick film, right? And in a sense that I don't mind if it's trying to sort of recreate those ideas when they go back to like the Overlook, for for example, because it, it's it, 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 as far as like trying to illustrate a mood of of, uh, of of that hotel and a level of familiarity that 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 we got that was very, I mean, essentially perfectly uh, illustrated by Kubrick's version. It didn't necessarily feel like a bad thing for him to call back. I don't know. It just felt like the proper way to to go back to this place. Okay. If you want to go back to the place, fine. Mm -hmm. Go back to the place. But again, the styles are so drastically different. Why is that a problem? Well, because it's a sequel. Well, I guess this is... 
maybe the larger question then. Uh, what do we want out of a, of a cinematic sequel? Because I wanted it to be very different. Okay. Well, that's a complicated question to answer, right? Yeah. Because on one hand, you can say, same character, returning to the same universe, uh, the sequence of events happened after the first film. Mm-hmm. That, by definition, is a sequel. And sure. Okay, I suppose. <laughs> to me, there's a little bit more that goes into it. Right to me, there's a little bit more. There's a feeling. There's a mood. There's a tone. There's mm. imagery. There's a style that's supposed to feel of, uh, of of a similar piece to the original to a certain extent. That's the way that I view a sequel. Like if The Godfather Two became like a buddy comedy, even if it was like a midnight run level buddy comedy, I would still not like Godfather two because it didn't feel like it's in the same spirit as the original Godfather. I wouldn't even necessarily say that this doesn't feel like it belongs to that universe. Okay. I I was more like looking for it to feel like it could belong to this world that was established, but still feel like its own thing and still have a similar like, like sense of, uh, of dread that looms over everything. I wasn't looking for it to literally be the shining. I mean, Stanley Kubrick's vision is so unique to, Stanley Kubrick certainly that it's that it's I feel like it's you're, you're wasting your time even trying to ape off of it well I don't want them to rip off Kubrick that's no. certainly not what I want and I don't want just a, a bunch of scenes rehashing the same ideas and preying on the audience's nostalgia that's not what I'm asking for what I am asking for is something that at least feels of a piece like if I'm reading this as a book and I turn the page to another chapter, I wouldn't get whiplash from it. Sure. You know, I need it all to feel part of the same larger story. But it's a different story is my thing. That's fine if it's a different story. But again, it doesn't feel like the same people wrote these two stories. I, it feels totally different. I'm fine with that, though. I don't have any issue with that. That's sort of why I like Aliens so much. And Aliens, to me, feels nothing like Alien. It doesn't even look like Alien, if I'm being completely honest. But... The, the the level of difference and the thematic implications that carry over are sort of what make that sequel so interesting to me. Okay. So I, I that's maybe a, Alien is the notable exception. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm serious. Like part, that was oddly sort of what I was thinking because in a way this is a little more. I mean, it's, it's a, a lot more action packed than than anything you get in The Shining. Of course. It's it's much faster and and edited far quicker and there's even a shootout sequence. There is, which is a little yeah, but um. <laughs> But I thought, like, as a sequel, I, I actually deeply appreciated the fact that it wasn't just ripping off Kubrick the whole time. Because to me, even when they do play into the the scenes at the Overlook, the way they the way they play out ultimately, and the way they they use those locations is very different, you know. And there's a lot of interesting role reversals that, if you think about it, mean a lot more than you know you, you would have thought otherwise. And I thought it was very clever. Yeah, I, I suppose if you can separate yourself from The Shining enough, it's... It, it's oh, you've certainly, you've got to do that. Yeah, I don't, but I don't, again, I don't think it's like it, it I don't think it doesn't, I, I wouldn't go as far to say as though it has no relationship to The Shining. Well, it has a relationship in that The Shining is the original text yeah. and Dr. Sleep is riffing off that text mm-hmm. and remixing it and taking ideas and repurposing them. Sure. Uh, If that's... Like what you've been clamoring for at a cinema near you, okay. Um, I don't know. I just think the movie misunderstands the ideas of the original movie in a lot of ways. Like when you uh, bring back in the third act the characters that haunted the Overlook Hotel in the original film. I, I mean, uh, like 
Okay, this is a tough question. Okay, this, this, uh, okay. So for example, uh, uh, what's the name of the uh, the bartender? Lloyd. Lloyd. Yeah. Lloyd is not terrifying in the original film because he can reach underneath someone's skin and take them over from inside. Yeah. You know, that's not why the twins are terrifying. You know, the twins are terrifying because of the grotesque imagery of them chopped up. Right. The twins are not terrifying because, oh, they're going to get you in your sleep. Right. The lady behind the shower curtain is not scary because she's just naked and decomposing. It's because she initially was this beautiful naked woman that tempted Jack Nicholson into that room and then pull out the rug from underneath him. Actually, what appears alluring is actually the most terrifying thing imaginable. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like this movie uses those characters as action figures (laughs) and repurposes for them. Like if you're playing like G.I. Joe and all of a sudden you throw Barbie into G.I. Joe and you're like, oh, Barbie's actually mowing down all my G.I. Joe soldiers. (laughs) Sure. You know, that's. If you were a 10 year old playing with shining action figures, this is the type of story I, you would dream up. And that to me just totally misunderstands the intention of Kubrick's movie. Uh, again, though, you, like what w- what's the purpose here? Is it to to again, try to be m- more faithful to what Kubrick was having in mind or what Kubrick? Again, no, I, I mean, uh, the king was having in yes. mind and Kubrick. Rather. Yes, that's the that thing. It, I agree with you on the why. I yeah. certainly agree with you on that's the why. The I, my argument, though, is. The conversation should stop there. Yeah. Right? You can make one or the other. You can't make both. Mm-hmm. And you're 100% right. The This movie straddles the line, and it tries to so delicately, and I, to a certain extent, applaud what Mike Flanagan was trying to do. But Stephen King clearly hates that movie. Yeah. Stephen King wanted to make his own thing with the book. And in 2011, when he wrote Dr. Sleep, I imagine much of that intention was to erase the legacy of Stanley Kubrick's movie. This was like, fuck you, I'm reclaiming my source material, and I'm going to make it whatever the hell I want to make it. We don't want to assume the the motivations of the artist here. Fair. But it pisses me <laughs> off, all right? It just pisses me off Stephen King's indignation towards Stanley Kubrick's movie, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, mm-hmm. really pisses me off. And the fact that Mike Flanagan humored him with his adaptation of Dr. Sleep pisses me off even further. I'm seeing your bias right now. I'm not biased. I'm absolutely absolutely not biased man this movie is a stupid romp about a bunch of cannibal immortal (laughs) beings who consume steam from psychic children in order to live for eternity okay and the main villain is rebecca ferguson with a black top hat and she's fantastic in the movie Uh, you know man (laughs) she's excellent i would also like this movie is stupid see here's the thing there i said it this movie is stupid the shining stupid because it's about a kid that can read people's minds and his dad goes crazy okay you know that's a false equivalency no it's certainly (laughs) come on dude no, uh, what that dog giving some dude a blowjob is not kind of stupid. <laughs> not by the enough, hands on your chinny chin chin. Curiously enough, we didn't revisit the uh, no the just, dog with the blowjob. I was fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy, darling, light of, of my, my life. life. <laughs> I'm not gonna hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains Brain in. <laughs> I'm gonna bash him right the fuck. In. Stop swinging the bat. <laughs> the Shining's one of my favorite movies, too. How about the Jack Nicholson guy that doesn't even sound like Jack Nicholson? Do you want to try doing a Nicholson impression, please? <laughs> I get that you have the same eyebrows, but can you, like, at least attempt it? No, I had no issue with that at all. 
This movie's stupid. I'm sorry. This movie's stupid. Okay. If it was its own Stephen King fantasy and it had nothing to do with The Shining, maybe I give it a little more leeway. I still think it's kind of silly, but maybe I give it a little more leeway. In the universe of The Shining, this just seems like a shameless digging up of old source material mm. that does not properly understand the original material. And that's what I hate about remakes, reboots, and sequels more than anything else. When they don't understand what made the original movie great. And I just disagree with that. And, and I don't know, dude. I just completely disagree with what you're saying. Like, they transform this power of The Shining, which is, in the original film, a, a mysterious and oftentimes horrifying power. Mm-hmm. Right? Danny talking to his imaginary friend. Yeah. Red rum. Mm-hmm. Danny isn't here, Mrs. Torrance. <laughs> like, that's like, whoa, one of the scariest things I've ever seen. And in Dr. Sleep, they turn that into a superpower. Sure. Right? Where it's it like. Kind of, it kind of is a superpower. Although, in, this is another issue is that handling of The Shining in, in the Dr. Sleep series, or rather the, the Dr. Sleep novels, that that's kind of what it is. And that's frustrating as all hell. Are you more pissed off at the story of Doctor Sleep or the movie itself? Well, I don't know. What do you? What does it sound like? Because it sounds you? like the story more than anything, from the way I understand. Well, the, the story, story certainly bothers me, but isn't that part of the movie? Well, if they're adapting the movie, what do you expect? What else do you expect? I mean, the story is a fantasy. It's not like a horrifying ghost story like The Shining. Is well, it's the not thing. scary. Is the other thing? It's scarier. No, no not scary. That well. It wasn't that scary. It's scarier than It. Okay. It's better than It, in my opinion. I, I disagree. I don't think it's better than uh, It. See, yeah, no, I think it's a lot better than It. I, uh, uh, it's not particularly scary. It's not funny at all. There's so, there's no comedy, unintentional or otherwise. No. Like, there's none of that. And that's the other great thing about Kubrick, is that he's a hilarious filmmaker. Not in The Shining, though. Oh, here's Johnny is an over-the-top hilarious moment. You're not supposed to laugh at that. Yeah, you... No. no. Stop it. No, you're not. But okay. <laughs> Excuse me? Were you laughing at that? Of course. Okay. Here's Johnny is not meant to be no. a, a darkly hilarious <laughs> moment? Stop. Of course it is. Stop. Pull- yeah, no, no. Stop pulling. No, I'm not listening to no, you. Seriously, what are you Shut ta- the fuck up. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? about that it's supposed to be hilarious? You are not supposed to. You are he not references supposed to the Tonight Show. You are not supposed to be watching that scene with a husband beat a door down oh, with no, an ass. Of course you're supposed to be scared, but it's also funny at the same time. No. That's the brilliance of that scene. Well, it's well then it's a bad scene then. I'm calling it a bad scene. Excuse if it's, me? If it's supposed to be funny... It doesn't play that way to me at all. It's a great scene if it's Are not trying to be me funny. That Stanley Kubrick, who directed A Clockwork Orange, which has a bunch of hilarious dark comedy. Kind of. Dr. Strangelove, one of the great comedies of That's all time. That's deliberately a comedy, Full metal, Full Metal Jacket, which is a disturbing drama, but also has hilarious <laughs> moments in that first scene. At the scene. beginning, yeah. Yeah. This guy clearly imbues all of his films with an element of comedy. I don't think there's a single funny thing in The Shining. That's what I'll say. Oh, dude. (laughs) There is nothing funny about that movie. What are you talking about? The Jack Nicholson performance, the -the over-the-top nature of that performance. When he's talking to Lloyd... I mean, of course it's scary, but You're laughing at it ironically, then. I'm not laughing at it ironically. Yeah, you are. No, you're wrong about that. No, you're 100% wrong. No, you're 100% wrong about that. I don't know what what you're talking about. You're speaking Chinese to me, (laughs) for Christ's sake. What are you talking about? You don't see the Jack Nicholson performance as overpronounced and comedic? It's overpronounced. I don't find it funny in the slightest. Again, comedy doesn't have to be the main intention for it for a scene to be funny. 
it can be simultaneously two things. You can be both mortified and I thoroughly don't and laugh stricken at the okay. same time. Okay, whatever. I don't think that that's the point of of Kubrick's in the intention in that film at all. I think it's naive to say that a Stanley Kubrick movie, if if you were to laugh at a Stanley Kubrick movie, not an element of that is intentional. I think it's naive to assume that that anything in that movie is being uh, funny. I don't see it. Why? I, I, what are you Just talking about? Just because you don't see it that way. Kubrick is clearly a filmmaker that's interested in comedy. I don't think he's even interested in dark in, moments. I don't think he's interested in comedy in that movie. I think that's the bad. Okay, so that would be an exception to the entire plethora of his career post Doctor Strangelove. I guess <laughs> he's certainly not being funny in Paths of Glory. I can tell you that. Okay, that was <laughs> or, or, early on. Okay, still one of his best. Even films. Eyes Wide Shut has elements of comedy. What about Barry Lyndon? Sure. Sure, absolutely. Yes, Barry Lyndon has. Yes, uh, Barry Lyndon has elements of levity. Of course, it does. I'm, I'm not. Even. No. So to say that The Shining is the only movie in his resume post Doctor Strangelove the, that I doesn't wish, have elements of comedy. I in wish it? I could agree with you, but I just hear too many people like that guy has has none of that. Like of, the only the only movie I consider like to be a full fledged comedy is. Uh, 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 Doctor Strange. No, of course, because the genre is comedy. But yeah. the rest of his movies, although they're dramatic, have elements of comedy in them. You can, fi- if you're looking no, for it. No, not if I you're guess. looking. That's th- no. He put it there. Ugh. He put it there. It's I, not ironic laughter. I, Quoting the Tonight Show in a moment of domestic abuse I is, is. Wait a minute. That is. See, I find that more disturbing than anything. Of, certainly, I it's disturbing. I don't, I don't find it funny at all. Of course, it's dark comedy. Ugh. Dude, how about the poster is in Scatman? Crothers apartment of the naked woman <laughs> over his bed. Come on, dude. No, that is intentional comedy on the part of Kubrick. You think that that movie on the whole, though, like like if I'm if I'm to cite the the boobs in Scatman Crothers Hotel, you're, you're saying that that therefore means that the, like the here's Johnny thing is funny as well and that it's sprinkled no, throughout. No, I am saying like every Kubrick movie, there are elements of dark comedy in there mm. and clear, clear as day, putting a massive poster of a naked woman over Scatman Crothers bed and then the reverse shot another naked poster over his television set that is comedy all as subtle as that may it may be comedy that was intentionally put there by Kubrick it doesn't pervade the film I just don't think it's there I really don't think it's trying to be or it's so even, that's what in, I mean by interested in so tonally so my point being <laughs> for Dr. Sleep to serve as as a worthy homage to that original film, which you I have to have these tonal elements in uh, there. I don't know if it's trying to do that though. Clearly it's not trying to do that, but I, he should have tried to do that. No, I don't think he should have. That's where I, I don't or know. Or he should not have been the guy for the job. How about that? No, cause I think he did a great job. <laughs> cause I think it's a very good movie is the thing. I love, I love most of what Mike Flanagan does. The only thing, I think the things I don't love about the film are more linked to the Dr. Sleep story in general, I guess. The the movie's mythology is very crazy and it's super out there and there's some moments where I'm like, this is this is like going maybe a little too far in the other direction. But I think it's always grounded by Mike Flanagan's interest in his characters. And I really love the villains in this movie. I love them tremendously. Did you find Ewan McGregor compelling in this at all? Uh yeah. I don't think he's the best part of the movie though. That, I will say that. I mean, he's an alcoholic, so... Man, I found him to be just an empty shell the entire time. I really did. Yeah. And I like Ewan McGregor. I've been a defender of Ewan McGregor in the past. Um, I, I, I think a lot of the reason why this movie didn't do well at the box office is actually on his shoulders. Yeah, see, I don't know if I completely... I think the runtime is the big thing that really hurt it. You think? I don't think it's got, like, a tremendous amount of star power, and the length certainly doesn't help it. That's 
part of the problem. Yeah, I don't think people are particularly interested in Ewan McGregor as a leading man anymore. That's really the bigger issue. I think if you combine the fact that, okay, Ewan McGregor is a leading man, eh, okay, the runtime, two and a half hours, nope. Yeah. That's the problem. But still, The Shining is a massively popular movie. It wasn't massively popular when it came out. No, of course not. But since then, like it's it's gained a, a significant following, I would say. No. And it's one of those iconic horror movies, for sure. Sure, but I mean, nowadays, I don't know, certain franchises, you know, that have been put to rest aren't necessarily, like, people aren't clamoring for all of them. Terminator Dark Fate fucked up. That's true. It's pretty bad. Yeah, but this had pretty good reviews behind it, though. Yeah, and rightfully so. People like this movie. No, but point being, Dark Fate did not. This no. one did. Yeah. So, um, regardless. Yeah, I kind of found him to be an empty vessel. <laughs> I, 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 He, uh... He he was really flat to me. Okay. Uh, and so when you say that Mike Flanagan has such regard for his characters, uh, I couldn't tell you a discernible character trait for a lot of these people. Wow, uh, Abra? You don't see a character trait in Abra and just her her spunkiness? Or yeah. Just even on a basic level? Or fucking Rebecca? I think Re- uh, Rebecca Ferguson as uh, Rose the Hat is fantastic. I really loved her in this I movie. I was distracted by the character. Oh, she's so good. She is awesome in this movie. She's one of my favorite villains to come out in a long time. I thought she was great. Oh. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she's a good actress. I like her and yeah. things. I like her in Mission Impossible. Oh, she's better in this than fucking Mission Impossible. <sighs> all I, right, let's let's talk about the plot of this movie. I'm very for a confused second. at like where like <laughs> I'm surprised you don't get my frustration. Here. I don't get it at all. I'm re- I'm actually really surprised because the, all right, okay. Uh <laughs> Walk me through the plot of this movie, and we'll take this step by step. And we don't have to go, like, scene by scene, but just give me the broad strokes of what this movie is about and why you feel like it was a worthy successor to The Shining. Well, essentially, the movie takes place uh, after the events at the Overlook Hotel, and the movie follows Danny as he grows up and struggles with trauma from said event, and uh, he's become an alcoholic, and most of the movie is him trying to reconcile his, uh, his past and his trauma with everything that happened there, and try to accept what happened but but like hone it in a way and, and harness it in a way that's effective to him but also effective to uh people who are close to him and where that doctor sleep element comes in and they demonstrate this by the way with recreations not of the original film but uh they recast those same parts mm-hmm. uh wendy is in this movie uh a, a young uh version of danny is in this movie <laughs> scatman crothers is recast in this movie yep uh, I will say I'm happy they did that. Me too. And they didn't opt for de aging, the de aging or the CGI or whatever. I almost just, like gave it a pass. Like even if I didn't like it, I would have been like, well, at least you did that. Right. That is the one thing, and I just wish the Irishman took a few lessons from yeah. this. For Christ's sake. Or even like when Star Wars does it, and yeah, you know, uh, they, they brought uh, 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 Cushing back, Peter Cushing, yeah, no. for Rogue One. It's like just recast him. We get it. Yeah, they brought back Cushing's mold from Top Secret. That's right. That is that's you know good for you guys for doing that. Yeah, I'm just happy Shelley Duvall was not in this movie. That's my only point. <laughs> Ew, boy, that would have been. <laughs> is she still around? Have you seen that Dr. Phil thing that she was on? No. Oh, dude. You want to feel depressed for the rest of the day? Go right ahead. Why? Has she had issues? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. She hasn't worked since 2002. It's actually pretty pretty sad to see her. Like what kind of issues? Drug issues? It seems like mental issues. Oh, really? It almost seems like they took advantage of the fact that she had said mental issues. Oh, no. 
Is, yeah, it's really, really. Well, I know her experience on the set with Kubrick was not great. No. no. And Kubrick, like, purposely got in her head and harassed her mm-hmm. just to get a better performance out of it. Yeah. Poor Shelley. Which I don't think was necessary. <laughs> no, I don't think you'd have to either. No. Yeah. I, this is one, I hate it when directors do that. It's like, just let them fucking act. Right. So. Yeah, 100%. All right, keep going. Anyway, uh,. And then there is a, a cult that essentially travels the world and looks for people with specific supernatural shine abilities. And they live essentially as vampires, not like vampires as in blood sucking, but they essentially uh, suck what's special out of these shiners and, and, and feed off of that. And that allows them to live uh, immortal, immortally, assuming they can actually find these beings. And uh, Well, actually, they can suck... They call it the steam yeah. in this movie, but it's essentially their essence. The essence of a person yeah, when exactly. they die is emitted out of their mouth. Yeah. Um, and that can come from anyone. It just so happens that these kids with The Shining have more steam. Yes. Yeah, so and that allows what, them to live for longer. That's what they focus on. Right. You know, and eventually they come across uh, Abra, who's got a significant amount of, of steam, almost an infinite supply. So they need to track her down and, you know, you know, do what they do with her in their horrifying culty ways. And in the process of that, Abra meets up with Danny, who is an, a fellow Shiner, and they work to stop uh, the True Not cult, which eventually leads uh, all the way back to the Overlook Hotel, where they feel like it's the only place to really stop someone like Rose. So, Right. Uh, don't understand that at all. Don't get that logic. That's not that complicated. Like, we just shot 10 of these vampires in the woods, and they just died. So it turns out they can be killed with bullets. Mm-hmm. How about that? Some fucking immortals, dude. You just shoot them in the head, and they're gone. Yeah. Anyway, you just shot 10 of them in the woods. <laughs> it was pretty easy. You picked them off. Two snipers. That was it. Uh, like, why do we have to bring Rebecca Ferguson to the Overlook? I think the notion w- was just that, like... Uh, I, I, the sense that I got that that was almost like she was too powerful in a way, or that they felt like the only way you were gonna like like trap this person forever was to you know have have her you know basically be served up to these ghosts. It almost felt like a like a fallback. Like if there's nothing else we can do because Rose is so complicated that you know we can try to kill her here, which they do. But if we they don't f- try, they don't even shoot her. Oh, they try to hit her with the axe. You know, so. <laughs> If we can do that, then but I guess. But, but since that doesn't work out because she's like super fucking powerful, right? You know, the the hopefully the 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 presence or the many presences that's that are that exist in the Overlook can stop her, which is essentially what they do, right? So there's this scene in the third act where you and McGregor enters the Overlook Hotel to wake it up, and he just walks in and a bunch of light bulbs turn on, and here I'm waking up the hotel, and he does this walk through. And it's quite dramatic of him just reliving some of those scenes mm-hmm. from the original Shining movie, seeing the hole cut in the door with the axe, uh, almost recreating that here's Johnny moment by sticking his head through that door. Uh, and it's just this scene of Danny reclaiming the events that happened in his childhood, essentially. Yeah. <sighs> Which, okay, I mean, that's only in there because I had to make a Shining sequel. And that's true. You know, that that is the biggest example of the nostalgia bait member berries yes. bullshit. And that that's something I can I can hone up to where it's like, yeah, the only because re- it's not, it's not even in Dr. Sleep. Of course. So because in the original uh, Shining, the book, the Overlook Hotel gets destroyed in an explosion, which made this ending more interesting to me. Right. Because Mike Flanagan set out to end 
Doctor Sleep the same way the original book ended. Yes, the the original Shining ends, and yeah, I I thought I would hate that with the, with the the nostalgia bake elements. And at first, I'm like, all right, they're really playing into this. They're even recreating some of the same shots. But I found the ending in, incredibly compelling and 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 powerful. And I love what they do with Danny's character. And I love that reversal and how he's the one that, that needs to sacrifice himself to 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 get rid of the hotel and to be reunited with his mom, but also <laughs> actually confronting his father at this age. Which yeah. I, which I, I'm sorry, but I love that scene. I absolutely love the scene with him. I, and Jack. I like the idea of the scene. I thought it was great. I like the idea of the scene. Um, and I understand the theme of the movie. I get it. This is about reclaiming childhood trauma. It's how do we cope? How do we move on? Uh, what do we say to the demons of the past in order to move forward? It commits to that, though, it, and it thoroughly explores it. I think so. Yes. I, I think that is all well and good. And if you're going to make a sequel to a horror movie, that is the best way to do it, because the original film is about domestic abuse, about alcoholism. Yep. And so when you make a sequel starring the child from that movie, the only natural thing is to explore those ideas further, how they affect you in adulthood. And the fact that Danny in this movie is an alcoholic all makes sense, just like his father, yeah. right? And I get, and the scene of him denying the drink from Lloyd the bartender rather than taking it, all, all well and good. I'm with you. There's just so much bullshit before that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just so much Stephen King fantasy bullshit, and it's not my thing, man. You could just say that because I don't think it's bad at all. I love it, <laughs> but it's not only not my thing. It doesn't feel in line with the original movie. That's all. It's not trying to be in line with the original fucking movie. It's a different movie. <laughs> I don't care if it plays... You can say that again. I don't th- care. Don't... Why are we making it? Why is it called Dr. Sleep? <sighs> Why is this a sequel to The Shining then? Because it's because they Stephen King is really hot right now. Ah. And they wanted to adapt ah, it. Ah, thank you. Which is fine. Thank you. If they're going to do it. They wanted to sell the intellectual property. That's why. Which is fine. No, it's not fine. That happens all the time, dude. I know it does, but it's super frustrating. It's super frustrating when you make a sequel to something and you don't even understand the original. I don't even think it doesn't understand the original. (laughs) Dude, how about the scenes where, what's her name? Rose the Hat? Mm -hmm. God, so fucking dumb. (laughs) Rose the Hat uh, soars into the mind of Abra. That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. She like looks out the window and she begins flying around the globe again like Superman. It's a great scene. (laughs) Gets into her head and then Abra is able to trap her in a filing cabinet. Mm -hmm. Here's what I don't like about that, man. We are now more terrified of Abra than we are of Rebecca Ferguson. And this is one of my bigger issues with the movie is the handling of Abra is very like like she's got a lot of personality traits she's a very interesting lively character but at the same time uh it's it's messy no it's bad horror is what it is it's bad horror uh kind of the problem with this movie is it 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 takes a a more macro lens of this universe right it takes the story of the shining and it's not just confined to this one hotel and it's not claustrophobic and it doesn't give you that sense of cabin fever, which was the intention of the original movie. It's not trying to it, do listen that. Listen to me. <laughs> and it blows everything up and yep. it gives you a bunch of answers to things. And it and it and it builds the mythology more. And what it loses along the way is that sense of mystery and restraint that mm-hmm. makes horror so compelling. Mm-hmm. That's the problem, right? 
I should not be afraid of. I should not be on the side of Rebecca Ferguson in that scene. That's I good, should not yeah. be afraid of of Abra when she's been established as our hero. Mm-hmm. I mean, that to me just lacks the understanding of what makes a great horror film. It lacks the understanding on the part of both Stephen King and Mike Flanagan of what makes in, viewers so invested in these types of stories. And that really pissed me. There were multiple times. How about when the uh, the cult came under fire by Ewan McGregor and, and uh, Cliff Curtis, where it's like they became sitting ducks. Did that bother you? To our heroes. Yeah, it did bother me. Because again, okay. like, what am I rooting for here? You're rooting for them to lose. I get it, but... On a basic story level... These are horrible human beings. I know, but there was no conflict. I mean, that was just, that to me felt like just useless catharsis. What about like when they fight back and Danny almost dies and his friend commits suicide? Yes, and Danny did not react whatsoever, by the way. No visual reaction whatsoever. It's not deathbed, okay? Total shrug. (laughs) This isn't skeleton His friend of eight years who pulled him out of the gutter, got him into AA, got him an apartment and a job... Okay. Kills himself. You and McGregor not visually phased whatsoever. <laughs> I had no problem with that scene. That's bad horror, man. No, I, I'm I'm sorry. That's bad horror. I would say it's probably bad action. I mean, I don't necessarily think that's a problem in horror specifically to to even feel uh, some unease for your lead characters. That's okay. I didn't necessarily buy that that was the direction they were going the entire time. They sort of play into it a little further when they go into the hedge maze and she's like you're kind of just as bad as me kid yes i wish they had done more with that uh it's nice that they at least addressed it but it could have been did you find abra scary though no i don't really think she was supposed to be scary no but i mean that's the intention of the scene though right She's powerful though is the thing and maybe in the hedge maze scene yeah kind of i did find her a little scary but not so much in uh the scene where she was uh going after rose or taunting her with the the filing cabinet which is all very well done. <laughs> no, but well done to what end? I don't know. To like satisfying storytelling no, and good no, character moments. No, and, well, no and that's well, not what I mean. Well done for what purpose? What do you mean? I, ugh, I just keep coming back to... Okay, here's another question for you. Maybe this relates to the alien thing. You find <laughs> Aliens to be a successful sequel not because it's a good horror movie, but because it's a good action movie. Yeah, right? Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, we could, that's a different conversation. I mean, Dr. Sleep, s- I, either it's trying to be a horror movie and it's failed at that task, or it's trying to be a fantastical action film and it, mm-hmm. it just fails at the horrifying elements and doesn't quite go all the way with it. And I guess that's my larger problem, right? You, you sound like me with Get Out. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying Dr. Sleep is a better movie than Get Out? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> what do I even say to that? I know. What do I even say? How, how can I counter that? Get Out's, Get Out's got exactly the same issues in my head where it's like, I don't know what the hell this movie's trying to be. How, how do I... What do I, Don't worry about it. Man, I don't like this movie. I kind of love this movie. <laughs> I really don't like it at all. I don't know. Like, and I'm sorry that we differ. I'm not trying to be confrontational at all. And I certainly wanted to like the movie because mm-hmm. I love that original. Yeah. I may even like the original more than you. Like, I just adore that movie. I love that original. But again, like, I feel like I was a little more open minded about this one. And I accepted the fact that it was, you know, trying to be different, but still at least, you know, respect that original Shining. I don't think it doesn't understand the original Shining. I just feel like it understands the fact that that story is is you know not the primary concern 
certainly when we get to the Overlook Hotel, it does feel more like The Shining while still feeling like Dr. Sleep. You know, and that's a good indicator for how I feel about the rest of the movie. <sighs> Maybe he wasn't the guy. It's a different story, though, dude. Maybe Mike it. Flanagan shouldn't have been the choice. Maybe Stephen King just shouldn't have written this book. But I for whatever now, reason, th- that's how I feel about it. I think it comes down to Stephen King more than anything. Yeah, probably. I'm not because I think Mike Flanagan does a fantastic job making this movie, aside from a few things, and the ending's a little fast. Uh, <coughs> but uh, and Ewan McGregor could have been a little more lively <laughs> but aside from that um, everything about this movie I kind of love yeah yeah I'm sorry I love I kind of love yeah, love this movie I like it a lot more than it and it chapter 2 holy shit if we're on the subject of Stephen King adaptations of this year it too is pretty bad so I I I don't know how you can do a sequel to one of the great horror movies ever made and basically not make it a horror movie. It's scary. It's scarier than it. <laughs> it's scarier than a lot of like mainstream horror movies that come out. I can't name that many terrifying scenes. I really can't. Mm. Like, like what? Like even the woman in the bathtub became like a running gag. I thought that was handled handled well enough for being a running gag. Anyway. I thought the Overlook Hotel scenes are, you know, pretty dreadful feeling. I thought the scene where they mutilate Jacob Tremblay is awesome. <laughs> That's right. Jacob Tremblay's in this movie. And he gets <laughs> horribly fucked up. <laughs> Poor Tremblay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a disturbing scene. I wouldn't call it scary. Yeah. But this is the other thing. It's funny you say that because a lot of people don't find The Shining scary. Yeah, that makes no sense to me. I mean, I, I, I've never been scared by The Shining. I've just always found it to be like, I understand that it's a horror movie, but that movie is more interesting to me because of its atmosphere and, and sort of the, the, the many the, like many layers that are lying beneath as to what the film's about and what's going on and that just over-looming dread that makes the movie what it is. But I've actually heard people make the case that it's not a horror movie. Uh, yeah, that I just don't think is yeah, correct. Yeah, that I disagree with. Um, I, and, I, and look, a lot of those ideas are here, um, and I recognize all of that. Um, <laughs> I just think tonally, stylistically, we're really grasping at straws to even call this a sequel. <sighs> Sorry. Mm. And by the way, take separate and apart, I'm not sure I get down to this either. What? Just story about uh, Rose the Hat and her cult of vampires mm. sucking the essence out of people. <laughs> Don't sign me up for that movie either. I think I'll pass. Mm. Yeah. Even even if I love those characters, what do you want? What do you want from me? They're very well made. <laughs> I like the giant from Twin Peaks. <laughs> me too. So was the original um, Danny Torrance one of those cult members? <coughs> what? The original Danny Torrance, he was in this movie, wasn't he? He was, no, he was not. He's, he's. Because uh, you told me to look for him. <laughs> you didn't, no, he, he's a cameo. He's very much just a cameo. He's at the baseball game and he's calling out some oh, kid. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, in that his, guy. In his little part, I'm like, oh, he's actually like, like delivering these lines very well. <laughs> Good for you, kiddo. Well, there were like two lines, right? Nah, he has a couple lines. Just a few. Okay. Cameo appearance. I don't know, dude. As far as the sequel is concerned, this is about as well as you know this is exactly what i would want (laughs) there are two different kinds of sequels man there's the ones that sort of like like ape the style but but thematically work and 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 still add as like a nice addition and then there's the ones that are just trying to be a totally different thing you know 
but but I still but still have a relationship to the one that came before. It I because I don't know I was able to reconcile pretty quickly that it was a very different story and very oh diff- no I got that very different feeling movie I got that early I'm not interested in the new version either though I had that's, no problem that's, part, that's that is part of my bias as well yeah see I, I and I quite liked that new stuff I don't know okay well that's Doctor Sleep uh, did not do well at the box office no. this week no. uh, I'm not particularly surprised after seeing it <laughs> um, I'm surprised after see like like. Uh, I'm surprised it didn't get like like a lot of word of mouth, but I think that's only because people, not as many people, went to go and people see. People are it. not going to like this movie. Let me break it to you right now. Yeah, it's mainstream audiences are not going to like this. I disagree with that. It's a lot like Hill House, so and a lot of people loved Hill House. So I'm really surprised you like this. I love it. I, I'm, re- I'm actually really surprised. You don't want to know where it ranks on my movie list. Oh, you know I don't. <laughs> if, See, this is just this podcast is going to spiral into absurdity when I have to somehow argue that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a better movie than this. Like when we're actually pitting Doctor Sleep against Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, Doc. Yeah, this is better than Once Upon a Time. I will. I see. No, I don't think it's even. No, I'm not even. I'm really actually not even going to engage in that conversation (laughs) because I don't have the mental capacity (laughs) for that today. I, I can't. My brain cannot handle another aneurysm. Like to even. Put them in the same sentence, dude. I have crawl above fucking, fucking Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Crawl, by the way, Quentin Tarantino's favorite movie of the year. Did you C- see that? Good, because <laughs> it's a good movie. It's, Ironically enough, it's a fucking dope ass movie, and it's a lot better than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That is, you're just insane. that is kind of funny to me. Like that's his favorite movie of the year. Yeah, it is. That's very surprising. I mean, I I love the movie. But I don't love it that much. <laughs> mm. Uh, any other fleeting thoughts about Doctor Sleep before we get out of here? Uh, it's 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 excellent. Go see it because it, it it it's not doing well enough. Yeah, don't be afraid of the length; it moves very quickly. I'm sorry. Oh, and uh, Under the Silver Lake is still better than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> How can you sit there? <laughs> In front of a microphone and nitpick the voiceover in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. No, seriously, we had this podcast and I was like, hey, Adam, what's wrong with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? And you were like, well, Kurt Russell did the voiceover in the first act and didn't come back until the third act. And I didn't like that very much. But meanwhile, you're totally forgiving actually of a bunch that. of immortal vampires <laughs> sucking the essence out of little girls. As a sequel to The Shining. No, this is the problem between you and me. Is that you nitpick masterpieces and claim that they're pieces of shit. And I sit there through actual pieces of shit. (laughs) You are so easily impressed by bullshit screenplays, man. Says the guy who likes Get Out and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. (laughs) (sighs) I'm sorry, man, but like a, a good hour of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are people walking and driving. And that's not that great. And it ain't compelling. And it never was. And there's a reason why people didn't love that movie. What are you saying right now? Literally, what are you saying? More people saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood than this movie. Once Upon Uh, a Time in Hollywood got better reviews than this movie. Once mm, Upon a Time in Hollywood's going to do better at the Oscars than this movie. I disagree with the reviews Shall we check the cinema score? (laughs) Let's check the cinema score. And let's see what mainstream audiences really feel about Dr. Sleep. <laughs> Let's look this up real fast. All right, Dr. Sleep, a B-plus cinema score. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, shit. B-plus? B. Ha! See, that's just dumb. Fucking idiot. People like Dr. Sleep, huh? 
That's so dumb. You're an idiot. <laughs> you're you're way. I don't too, know how you can ever make. You're I, way too forgiving of that movie. I'm sorry, but like, dude, that movie is a lot of nothing with about an hour. I, I will admit, like an hour forty of remarkable stuff. But you can't excuse the other stuff. I don't know, man. And you're the fucking guy who sits here and Blade Runner twenty forty nine <laughs> is his favorite movie of all time. Like, <laughs> no, dude, what are you like? Mad Max on. is my favorite. Come on, <laughs> unbelievable. By the way, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is currently number nine on my list. It's not going to make your top ten. I mean, how can you even say that? And, how can you say that with a straight face and, as a lover of cinema? I, well, I just want to look at you right in the eyes. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm such an asshole. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is nine. Midsummer's number three. No, look. Uh, no, I'll hear. If you love Midsummer, no, that's okay. Yep. You're allowed to love Midsummer. You are not allowed to make the claim that Dr. Fucking Sleep is better than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think it's easily better. I will not hear that argument. I think I will, it's easily I will, better. I will, I will hear Midsummer. I will. As someone that doesn't care for that movie all that much. Okay, Rocket Man's number five. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> That's it for the movie Hall of Fame, movie hopping, whatever you want to call it. Too many thoughts media.com or tmt.media for short. I, I, Sometimes I just, it just tickles me to just really push Nico's buttons. <sighs> Here's what's happening soon yes. on the pod. Next week, 1994. Mm. We drafted this list already. We were going to record it today, and then Adam decided to stumble in late. Yeah. What else is new? Hey, I had good reason, you fucker. Sh- shut up. Get out of here. The Shawshank Redemption, Clerks, Natural Born Killers, Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, Hoop Dreams, all discussed on next week's show. <sighs> <sighs> yep. Am I boring you? Yes. Always boring me, Nico. Here's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I haven't cleared this with you yet. Yep. Following week, Irishman Pod? Yes. Week after that, Noah Bombach? A, like an entire Noah Bombach catalog? Yes. Oh, okay. I think we talked about this, didn't we? I think we did, yeah. Okay. Noah Bombach, I'm convinced, is the most Nico director. <laughs> I don't, th- like, you might argue on, on behalf of, like, maybe, like, the, the, the Safdie brothers. I don't think, I think it's Noah Bombach. I think you're right. Yeah. 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 So we'll be doing that. Uh, marriage Story's coming out. I, I would also, I would like to do Parasite at some point. I haven't seen it yet. I really want to see Parasite. Do you want to go see it at some point this week? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Yeah. And then maybe we'll we'll do like 20 minutes on it or whatever. I'm going to be seeing Saving Private Ryan on Saturday in in oh. projected. Oh, fun. Where? Uh, the Warner Theater in Torrington. Sick. You want to come with? Yeah, dude. Okay, come with. I'm in. When? Saturday? Saturday at 8 o'clock. Okay, yeah. Let's do it. Yes. Okay. Nice. Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> All right. uh, until then. Oh, uh, happy doctor sleep. (laughs) What the hell does doctor sleep even mean, by the way? (laughs) I don't get that title at all.